0: So let's get into an informative and empowering conversation.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Motherhood Village podcast. I'm on with a very special guest. I have Miss Amelia Sherry, who is a registered dietitian, practicing using a non-diet, weight-inclusive approach. She is also the author of Diet Proof Your Daughter, a mother's guide to raising girls who have happy, healthy relationships with food and body, and founder of NourishHer.com, where she has courses, workshops, and coaching for moms who want their kids to have positive relationships with food. How are you today, Amelia?
2: I'm wonderful. Thanks, Nicole. It's really rainy here in New York, but I'm really delighted to be having conversation with you. So same here. Um, let's do my icebreaker break around. Tell me your favorite book or one that you would like to recommend. Can I recommend my own book is that okay (laughs) um yes so my book is fairly new it's a couple it it came out in the end of 2022 it's called diet proof your daughter it is a book i wish my mom had when i was growing up and that's a comment i've been getting over and over and over from women who have read it i definitely it's the book i wrote for myself um other than that i i I think the book you write for yourself is also the best book. And by that, I mean, getting a journal. I love brain dump journals and just writing down all these things that are swirling in our mind and sort of preoccupying us with no result. Write it down and you'll end up with the beginnings of your own book or even just a kind of a, re- a release, I guess.
1: I love that. Yeah. Brain dumping a good release. I tell my husband all the time. I think it's something more men need to do, I think. Um, because I think women, like we, we just naturally will write, will journal, diaries, whatever that is, but brain dumping is a great exercise to kind of release all the thoughts that we have. Who and what has been a part of your village in life, your career, motherhood, all the names.
2: Uh, for motherhood, My village has definitely been the people that I've met in the parking lot of my daughter's nursery school. That um, that's been just really critical, crucial, so much so beneficial. The friendships I made when I first became a mom, you know, those few minutes you spend there um, just matter a lot. And my girls are 11 and seven now, and I'm still friends with those moms. That's my mom crew. Yeah, and they are the people who understand me because even friends I've had for years their children if they even have children some don't but those who do their children are at different ages um they live you know different parts of the country and even world and it's not always the same you can't always identify with what's going on so those moms that are really close have have been um really valuable
1: that's awesome. Okay, so now let's jump in. Tell me about nourish her um, what's your mission with it? How have you, or how do you hope to impact your community? And what really inspired creating that?
2: Nourish Her is nourishher.com. It's an online site and a resource for moms raising girls. The mission, really, the deep mission, is to prevent eating disorders in young girls, and all children. Um, And the way I'm doing that is really by supporting moms who often need to heal their own relationship with food. And I found that that is a much more effective way to help them set the tone and the stage for their daughters. Um, And I love it. It's been so great.
1: Tell me some of the services you um, provide and what it means to have a healthy relationship. with How do you help the moms have that. I mean, um, it, it makes sense, right? If you're gonna do anything to help your children, I think a lot of times parents need to look inward and say, let's heal our own traumas, let's heal our own issues before we either pass them on to our children subconsciously sometimes or consciously. Um, but even without trying to affect our children in that way, I think we need to heal whatever issues we may have. So tell me how you help mothers develop healthy habits and healthy relationships with food.
2: Yeah. So the main thing is just to become really, first of all, just intentional about what you want to communicate to your kids in terms of food um, and aware of what you're saying and what you're doing. That is the most important thing because um, very often, especially with food culture, we're just adopting what we hear out there, what we've been conditioned to learn and think from diet culture, from health culture, from food manufacturers, from the diet industry. So really sort of stepping back, taking a breath again, like we were talking before and the, what do I want to pass on to my kids? Um, and what don't I want to pass on to my kids?
1: And talk to me about the nourish for method. I saw that on your website. What How did you create that? What is the concept behind it? And then how do you help mothers again through the nourisher method?
2: Yeah, so the nourisher method is something I designed after working with hundreds of families um, and recognizing what we've already been talking about, which I can't help you to help your child unless we really talk about where your thoughts and values and beliefs about food come from. So the nourisher method really helps mom get in a good place with food really understand what a healthy air quotes I'm using healthy relationship is food, with food is so that they can pass it on to their daughter so instead of coming to me and we work on your child's eating we first understand what normal relaxed eating is and in within our own selves and then the second part of that program is how do we implement it at the table with our kids you know, how do we incorporate into the family dynamic that's going on? And it's been really effective. There's actually, I use two pieces of research to two models to back that method. And um, it's been working really well.
1: That's awesome. And uh, you do that through coaching, you do that through, you do like boot camps with it. I know some of the coaches and even some of the therapists I've talked to, like they'll have one on one coaching, but then they'll even do like, a- a group coaching moment where people, you know, can come together and then they have one-on-one. So talk to me a little bit of how, how people can work with you.
2: Yeah. Thank you. Um, I just want to back up for one moment and explain, you had asked me what a normal or healthy relationship with food is. And I think that I'd love to clarify because I think most people, um, we think of, and I'm using air quotes, healthy eating as eating in a way that really helps us protect and enhance our physical health. However, healthy eating really supports us emotionally and socially as well. And when we prioritize just eating in a way that helps us stay at a certain BMI or or look a certain way or helps to protect us from um, the, you know, diseases at the expense of getting really stressed about food, avoiding lots of foods, that is not healthy eating. So healthy eating, in my mind is really thinking about your whole self, how you're feeling about the food, how it's, you know, becoming how it's you're incorporating it into your social life, with your kids, with your friends, in addition to also supporting you physically. And sometimes those things are in conflict. So we have to that's where you go back to becoming intentional and thinking, hey, what do I really want out of this? Um, in terms of how I work, with families i have offered the nourisher method as a group program so we went through it with the moms as a group we did modules each week and then we met the group aspect is amazing the, the moms love that part um i now offer it where you do the modules on your own and you meet with me one-on-one or you can just do the the learning on your own and not have the modules it's a less expensive way to do it but not you know as affected effective but people can always opt in for one-on-ones after they do it as well um that yeah that's primarily how i do it i also just do you know if you have um a very specific i am a you know a dietitian, so sure. we call it medical nutrition therapy you have very specific issue that needs to be treated that you don't do the program we we do something different for that
1: i love it and how do you help moms time out of that i've even seen you know the food stress i think a lot of times you know either something like you said we carry from childhood right um and I know particularly we see that in women I know one of my girlfriends her daughter is like six um or no she's five because she's still in my son's UK class and she said that um they were getting dressed up for something there was a spirit week and she was already talking about a whole weight aspect and it was interesting to see the difference where my son wasn't talking about weight when he was looking at his costume that he had to wear for spare. he just wanted to make sure it was silly enough in comparison to the next child where a lot of the young girls are the weight and am I going to be the prettiest and you know very um vain and, and thinking inside of like our, our look right um so how do you help mom's climb out of that and the food stress aspect of it because to your point you know um you had mentioned yeah it's it's there's something there with obviously of how we're feeling especially as, as little girls of the vanity aspect but then when you tie the food to it and say okay well now I want to lose weight or you know I have now I'm developing unhappy unhealthy habits of food because of xyz how do you help moms kind of climb out of that and create body confidence in themselves so that they can pass it on to their children with a solid set of eating skills.
2: Great question. Questions. Um, Yeah. I'm not surprised what you just shared about your friend and her daughter. We see in research girls as young as five and six um, complain they have high body dissatisfaction. So they're unhappy with the way way their body looks. They're aware of the pressure out there in culture from this young. And that's why I'm so passionate about this. Even if your child isn't verbalizing it, there is a good good chance. They're feeling it. They're aware of it, this pressure and girls focus, um, from research, we see that girls focus on being thinner and smaller while boys focus on wanting to be more muscular and larger and, smaller and larger. yeah. Mm-hmm. And the research is very like binary in terms of gender. So that's why I'm talking like that. But, um, there, you know, there's no reason to think that any gender identity, you know, in fact, people who have non-binary or transgender have even higher um, risk of having sort of body dysmorphia because their body is changing in ways that might not be congruent with their gender identity. So yeah, so it's not unusual. So how do we, the very first thing I do with moms to help to um, prevent disordered eating, still have positive Mm -hmm. eating habits, but to account for this pressure is to really work hard on separating your weight from your eating. So whenever we approach eating with our weight in mind, it puts tremendous pressure on our eating. And by that, I mean, we can't make choices that we really enjoy are in concert with our like satisfaction or our hunger um, or fullness because we're choosing with this ulterior motive of weight. Um, so meals become really, really stressful and uncomfortable. So we have to separate weight. And that's also supported by research, you know, dieting, weight loss diets have been shown to, um, be very ineffective. And even in the, I think less than 5% when they do promote weight loss or result in weight loss, that weight loss is not sustained over past a two year period of time. Um, So we don't want to, we need to separate weight from eating. And that can be challenging because as we've already talked about, the message that they are highly linked is all over the place. Um, Diets are the leading cause of eating disorders. We need to help our daughters and our sons know this. This is a dangerous thing. We don't want to go down that road. So we need to eat in ways that really nourish us and support us and put the weight concerns aside. So how do we do that though, when there's so much pressure out there, right? What um, I have come to start focusing on with moms and having them focus their kids on is, is not improving body image. So I, that is what has traditionally been done. Um, what I work on is building body resilience, and the, the, which is slightly different. And I'll explain what that is. But Body image to me, what do you think of when someone says, like, I-, I need help with my body image? Like, what would we be working on?
1: Their weight, um, if, they're, if they're losing weight, um, body image, maybe they're hair, changing their hair color, anything, to, anything related to physical characteristics of their body.
2: Right, right, right. So I totally agree. When people ask me to help them with that, it seems like they want me to help them help their child or them to like the way their body looks. And that is almost impossible because so very few people match up to what the ideal is. And also I don't want to change my body in ways that might be dangerous to my health. For example, going on diets, who knows all kinds of other methods that we use. So instead of trying to help our daughter ourselves sort of feel good about how we look, which it could be hard in Um, the context of the world we live in, right? Where the ideal is just so hard. Instead, what we want to do is build a type of resilience in ourselves and our children, which means that we acknowledge that that thin ideal is out there, but we learn and are able to appreciate ourselves, our body's abilities, everything that it's doing for us all the time, despite that pressure that's out there. And that it has been shown to be a lot more effective in helping us feel good about ourselves and more in tune with our bodies than simply saying, you know, looking in the mirror and doing affirmations, you know, if that works for you, absolutely fine. But my personal experience, looking in the mirror and telling myself, you know, you're beautiful, you're beautiful. It, she's ha- I have a reaction. I'm like, no, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I don't look like, you know, whatever I used to look like, or I'm seeing, you know, amongst my peers. So, Um, really focusing on appreciation. We have many methods to like improve body resilience. Mm -hmm. And those are the, the things, the strategies we do in the course, which I can share with you if you want. Um, but focusing on that resilience, even understanding that we need to stop objectifying ourselves and even thinking about ourselves as the way we look and more and more and more start thinking about the way we feel in our body um, is is a huge shift that can just pay back dividends over and over. If you you can get your child to to kind of see things differently in that way, it's going to support them so much. Yeah, and
1: of course, modeling it, right? So I would imagine, because one of my follow-up questions, there are ways parents can support their children or basically the daughters that say, I'm too skinny, I'm too fat, and really um, taking it away from, Well, I guess, yeah, let me ask, what are specific things that parents can mention if their daughters are saying, especially at such a young age, which is so horrible, but that are already kind of, whether it's things that they're hearing in school or things that they're seeing on TV, ways that we've been programmed, particularly as women, but what are some ways parents can support their children, again, their daughters, when they hear things like that?
2: Great question. So many people ask me this. Um, First of all, I think it's really, I have a little um, sort of framework that I use, and I'll share that with you. The very first thing and the most important thing is to recognize that you might have a very visceral, strong, emotional reaction to hearing your child say this. I know that I have had that when my daughters complain. So Um, We don't want to react from that emotional place because the first thing is to say, no, you're not, you're not, you're not, you know, and Uh kind of make it go away because it's really uncomfortable to hear, to hear this from your child. So alternatively, I recommend just being, thinking, I always think of the word gratitude and just saying, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to your child for sharing whatever they just said to you because you, and it is something to be grateful for. Your child is comfortable complaining about this painful thing or sharing this with you and you want to leave that door wide open, right? Um, So so it's okay for them to verbalize this discomfort and say things like this to you um, and be grateful, say thank you. And then the next step is really just to be curious. So instead of assuming it's because of the way their clothes look on them, or maybe if their weight isn't um, where it was or something, you know, we don't want to assume. So it's to be curious and just say, what makes you say that? What, you know, why are you saying that? Um, and get more information. That is what gives you more information and can help you so move forward. Cause now, you know, it could be, it could be that their clothes have gotten too tight and you just need, well, we just need to go shopping. I know I've overlooked that, you know, all of a sudden you see your child and you're like, Whoa, that thing is so small on you. Um, and it could be someone's bullying them, right? You Now you've just opened it up and found out about it. it. could be something a teacher said in school. And I love teachers, but sometimes people overshare their own diets and things they're on, or they say something that might, you know, might not be accurate for your child. Um, could be something happened at the doctor's office. You never know. So that's why you also want to be curious. You can get, just get nosy and get information without assuming. And I
1: remember even as, sorry to cut you off but I no, would no. imagine you want to make sure that you're modeling and maybe not saying specific things like oh I look too this or I look too fat or I look too skinny or I look too things because I think a lot of times I know for me as something I, I noticed early on in having my son um, and you don't really know until you see it right parents can tell you like oh they'll see as you do you know they'll they'll do as you do not really as you say but how observant my son is so the minute I say something they say oh, well why did you say it like that or what does this mean I'm like oh and I have to explain this, right? So that makes me now pause before I say certain things, especially if I don't want to go down that path of, well, what does that mean, mommy? Why did you say like that? So I would imagine, so the answer your another point would be just modeling that and not speaking that often in front or if at all in front of your children.
2: Yeah, that's absolutely um, a great tip and, and recommendation. We don't want to talk about our own dieting or put our own body down. Um, just think if you are going to say something about your appearance, like better off not said and just focusing on how you feel. And I think um, from my perspective, often the things that would come out or come into my mind would be negative, you know? So it's a good, not only do you not want to influence your child in that negative way, it's a good. Um, shift for you as well, right? Because you can kind of catch that thought and be like, "Hey, that doesn't make me feel good. That's not accurate, um, or that's not helping." Right? Yeah, absolutely. We we actually have research on that. That parents that refer to their own diet and their own weight, and even their own eating in terms of, you know, I shouldn't eat this. I shouldn't eat that their children um, have more disordered habits with food. Um, So that kind of thing can be really motivating um, for parents to kind of be, again, intentional and get those kinds of things in check.
1: And I also saw something, I think it was on your Instagram page um, when I was kind of doing some research behind food trauma. You were going to do like an IG Live or something about food trauma. Talk to me about what that means.
2: Yeah. Food trauma is the way I define it. This isn't like an official term but the way, the way, the the way I'm using it is any significant, like any event around food that causes a negative, a significant and negative um, impact to your relationship with food. So for example, it could be something as, this is rare, but more straight, it's a good straightforward example. It could be something like having choking on food. Okay. So if you choke on a food in your past, you're, every time you see that you're gonna have a negative association, you might not, you know, eat anymore. Same with food poisoning. That could be a traumatic event. If you've ever had that, anyone's ever had that, you know, anytime you see that food, you just like, "Mm, that's not going to be in my diet anymore. Right. Even though it might, it wasn't the food itself. It was the, you know, bacteria. Um, More frequently, um, food trauma, and it's more frequent, but it's less clear, is dieting or just being on a chronic diet or chronic or being pressured to be on a diet from someone in authority, whether it's your doctor, your fitness trainer, um, or your parent. That can be a kind of food trauma because you are now always restricting in their presence, or they might even be restricting food, and that can leave you feeling chronically deprived. And I should say, um, food insecurity, actually literal, that's more of a psychological insecurity, but literal food insecurity is certainly food trauma. So if your parents haven't been able to provide um, food consistently, or enough food consistently, um, that can be, that is very traumatic for children and results in negative behaviors around food that uh food that um really stick with them throughout life yeah
1: I, I would imagine it's yeah that they carry with them and then like we were saying and then all of it passing down if we're not correcting it in ourselves and passing it down whether subconsciously or consciously to our children um i want to talk about your book diet proof you mentioned that it was a book that you wish um that you had when you were younger and that parents have come to you like oh my gosh thank you for writing this what was the inspiration behind it? Um, and what was the process like when you did start writing it? Did it start from brain dumping and you or journaling? And then you're like, oh, wait, this is a book. Like, tell me, you know, tell me kind of that process and the inspiration behind it.
2: Sure. So the inspiration was a combination of my daughter coming to an age where I was noticing her weight changing. She was prepubescent. Was during the pandemic. So her eating was changing, her body weight was changing. Um, And also where I was coming to terms with what had triggered my own disordered eating, which was a lot fueled by the environment I was growing up in. I don't want to say um, it was my mother's fault because it, you know, any comments that she ever said, like all of us always came from a beautiful place of wanting to support me. Right. Um, in an environment where appearance was so very important. Yeah. So yeah, it was just a combination of thinking about my own history with food and going back to the food trauma. The reason that that's relevant to many of us moms is just thinking if we're struggling when it comes to talking to our kids about food or limits or no limits, thinking about what might be in our own history, whether it was food insecurity, a diet, maybe even a food you know incident with being sick that can help and give us insight into why this might be causing some stress when we're either eating on our own or helping our child. The book actually came about, um, I do a lot of brain dumping and that is part of my writing process. If anyone's ever heard of Morning Pages, you just wake up and stream of conscious, just kind of get all the cruft away, all that stuff that's sort of floating and kind of not clear. However, I started writing a book um, as a guide for healthy eating for kids, which we, you know, actually don't probably need another one of, you know, it was much more formulaic, eat this, that's that. Um, I was doing it, I started during the pandemic, however, and I did it, was doing it online through a writing community and community, which is why um, I love your platform, community was so, so important. Um, And to my writing process in particular, because I would write about healthy eating for kids. And then occasionally I would do more of that um, less conscious directive writing where I'd write about an experience I had when I was younger. And people, because I was doing this in a community environment, people were really reacting to those personal experiences when I talked about my mother, when I talked about my daughter. So the book started to morph into really focusing on the mother-daughter relationship and how there are certain unique aspects of being female in this culture that really impact our eating, um, particularly as they get kind of transmitted or passed on from grandmother to mother and to daughter. So that's kind of the inspiration was my personal experience and the way it came about was really, really connecting. Actually, a lot of other moms were in that community Um, It was a large, large community of thousands of writers, and we whittled ourselves down. At some point, I reached out and said, are there any moms in this community? Mm -hmm. And we made an even smaller group, and we met regularly, and that really actually made the book come to be what it is.
1: And when was it officially published? And did you self-publish? Did you go with a publisher?
2: I self-published in December 2022. Um, That was a whole journey in and of itself. Um, yeah, it was great learning experience, but I have a lot of freedom with my book. I'm able to promote it in the way I want. I was able to keep things in that I wanted with the help of an, an editor too. I was a writer before I became a dietitian. I was a journalist. Um, so I had some writing skills, but always working with an editor is very, very helpful.
1: (laughs) I'm sure. I'm sure that could be a whole nother podcast. I've talked to authors before. What are some, um, three tips or insights that you can share that a mother would gain from reading your book?
2: Um, I love it. First of all, your weight is not a problem to solve. This is not a problem you need to solve for your daughter. Um, That is very hard to hear, but I do explain in the book why focusing on that is going to get you in so many problems and really not support your daughter in the way she needs to be supported if she wants to go on and have a really fulfilling life. Um, Another one would be that healthy eating, and I'm using air quotes again, if you could see me, is really about the more relaxed you can be about eating and the more relaxed you can be about your child's eating, more trust you can put in them and yourself, the better eater your child is going to be. And many of us are doing the opposite. We feel a lot of pressure as parents to really micromanage our children's food. And that is result does not result in better eating habits from my experience personally, from my experience as a professional, and even in research, we know that. So the more relaxed we can be, the better our child is going to be. Uh, and the last is that structure around food, meaning having set meals throughout the day that your child can rely on. They know it's coming, you know, it's regular. That is very underestimated in terms of um, how beneficial it is to your child's eating habits. It helps with food acceptance. It helps with self-regulation. It improves family relationships if you can be there um, some or all of the time. So that structure, you'll learn in the book that this structure which is very simple. It's much more simple than figuring out, should I buy this? Should I make it that way? Um, you don't even have to prepare the food in this model. You're just really focusing on having a structured time and environment that your child can rely on, and you can rely on, and that will pay back in dividends. I I promise, promise.
1: I love that. And I was talking to um, this is going back. I mean, on episode one one forty, but this is going back earlier in my podcast. But I don't know if you're familiar with Dr. Organic Mom she has a large platform and really focuses like on non-toxic living and I was fascinated with her and I was so happy that I was able to get her on the podcast but one of the things she does focus on not necessarily the um (laughs) as you said the air quotes of healthy eating but I guess yeah having a healthy relationship with um toddlers or well yes because she she believes in getting kind of from the early stages Um, but a lot of times we've kind of been raised our generation my generation of you know threatening like well if you don't eat this you're not going to get dessert if you don't have this you're not you know whatever and I didn't realize how that correlates to having unhealthy habits with food and and saying well I I," you know and, and just really kind of forcing so it's still a battle I have with my little guy, because there's a part of me who's like, I get it. But then, you know, but it is also like, well, if you don't have this, then you can't have dessert, right? Because dessert is the the the, the fun part. So you have to eat all your vegetables. Um, so I guess maybe talk about that as a dietitian for moms listening, who are struggling with their little toddlers and, you know, the power struggles and, eating because like I said I I get it I got what she was saying but on the flip side I also say yeah but I can't have him think he's gonna have a piece of candy when he does have to eat dinner so what is wrong with saying look you could have that piece of candy but after you have dinner is there a way to reframe it is it how we should use the words maybe talk to a mom who's maybe kind of in that struggle or in those struggles right now currently
2: Sure. So in the book the you will learn a lot about the importance of trust at the table um, and even neutralizing foods, but trust at the table with your child can help a lot. What we ultimately want your child to do is to be able to enjoy the candy and eat the foods that um, are in a balanced diet. When we withhold one, um, the other one becomes much more important in their mind. And it almost is like a reward for eating the other food. So we talk a lot um, in the pediatric dietitian community about sort of neutralizing foods, taking the sting off them that sort of electrifies them and makes them this like hot point. You want to neutralize it also so that the meal can be more relaxed and there isn't this tug of war that you're coming to the table being like, okay, sure. this is a battle. And that he's coming to the table and be like, oh gosh, I'm really bad at eating. Mom doesn't, you know. You want to get away from that. One, there are different techniques, and one is just putting up the piece of candy with the meal, and then you know the candy is limited. There's one piece or one cookie or one cake. It's finite because we want your child to have room in their belly for other sure. food. But if they want to eat it first, fine, fine. You know, if they want to save it till under the meal, fine. Um, but it's sort of uneven playing field with vegetables with the proteins with the other the starches the things they need to um you know to really grow the vitamins and minerals um uh, another thing would be offering foods uh sort of sweet foods or high fat or high calorie foods that really get parents all ramped up you know chips i don't know it's different i don't like to say specific foods because everyone has their different feelings about foods but whatever those foods are that you're concerned about or you Often parents will complain that not complain, but they'll note that their child sort of is out of control, and I can't trust yeah. them with this food. Offering that food more often at, and at a snack time where the stakes are less, they're not as high because the food at snack time isn't necessarily like you haven't spent a lot of time preparing it. Totally. And it isn't this. So at that time, offering those foods that you're concerned about, or your child seems very focused on, in a way that's actually unlimited. So hey you can have as much as you want, you know, even if you might get a little sick and uncomfortable from it, hey, how else are they going to learn? You know, that's like where you're norm. giving them this experience, like couple, whatever's tastes good, you know, 25 wait, you know, doesn't taste so good. I never, want so you kind of, you really have to give, that's where the trust comes in. You have to give them like experience to figure this out. And it's so important because when they go out in the world, they need to know how to navigate and enjoy it and then also make room. Where, where, why Nourisher even exists is because this can be really challenging. Yeah. Especially, I have found for our mothers, fathers too. But in our current climate where weight and diet culture is just so pervasive, if we've had a long history of limiting, 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 then seeing our child sort of eat an unlimited amount of. Cookies, for example, can just be so triggering and upsetting. And that's where we want to undo. That's where I'm really here to support moms. Like, okay, why am I uncomfortable? And what is the consequence if I restrict it for them for the next five years? What's the benefit if I let them figure it out? Um, And I'm all over the place, but that's where that structure, it makes sense. Okay, good. The the structure really helps in this sense because if you've got space between meals and your child is getting reassured, we're going to eat again later, you know, or I'm going to see this food again, maybe later in the week at snack time, they can have a chance to really develop what we call eating skills, like eating in a way that's enjoyable, eating variety and eating in a way that is um, like comfortable in our body, not overdoing it or underdoing it.
1: A hundred percent. And I was smiling before because my I, I, a big big plus of having this podcast is I'm learning right so all the guests that I've had like I said I think you're going to be like episode 140 so that's a lot of conversation um, mm. and that has helped me throughout my motherhood um journey and my little guy was five and a half in um, um in May but I was smiling because he wanted Chick-fil-a not too long ago and um he kind of knows one of the biggest things I do with him like I I explain right we do a lot of talking we can't have this he's definitely one of those children like he needs to understand why something is happening and fine so I picked him up from school and he's like can we go you know to um you know to the place and I said and he already saw my face and I was like "Mm, no we need to have dinner and he goes can you just trust me just like that he's like can you just trust me that I will eat that and also eat my dinner and I just looked at him through the um through the uh rear, the view, rear mirror. view mirror and I was like oh he's got me." and I was <laughs> like okay you want me to trust you he's five you know and he's like yes please he's like I really really want it I've been thinking about it all day at school he's like but I will also eat dinner and I said okay I said I will trust you so I went picked it up and when we got home of course my husband was ready to say something and I looked at him I said Mm-mm. and then he ate it and he ended up all of the dinner and I said wow I said dude's just kind of flipped the whole thing on me and he's like can you just trust me before you even say anything like can I do this or this I just really wanted it and I said you know what 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 is let's do it and then laughing another time because um his, his blood work came back and um, I knew his iron was going to be a little bit low because vegetables has been a thing that we've tried to work on so again when I picked him up from school a lot of our conversations either happened before bed or when I pick him up from school and I said listen very transparent with him I was like the blood work came back and you know you need a little bit more vitamin d and vitamin a well what's vitamin a and I'm explaining all of that and so I looked at him and I was like, you need to eat your vegetables. So he just looked at me. And he was like, well, that's not my fault. You don't make them for me all the time. So how can <laughs> I eat them all the time? So to the moms listening, I think sometimes, you know, as tough as it is to hear, like I just stared at him again. And I'm like, <laughs> how else would he eat it? Right. If I don't, and I know, I, I'm, I don't know if you even know, but I think they say like, you have to introduce something to your kid, like 20 something times for them to like really get it. Um, so in my mind I'm like, no, he's absolutely right. I can't say have these vegetables if I'm not constantly cooking vegetables or even just showing it, adding it to his plate and not forcing him, but having it there so that maybe one day he will try. Um, so he was like, It's not my fault. he's like, Make more, he loves broccolini. So he's like, make more broccolini. And I said,
2: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Okay, I guess I have to make more broccolini. And I was like, dude's got me again. But so that's why I was laughing because I think sometimes parents need kind of that mirror and to understand that if we do want change with our children in certain aspects that we have to really be cognizant of it and knowing that we have the control, um, for, for a lot of it, um, as tough as it may be to hear.
2: Yeah. Um, first of all, I've heard you say that in your podcast before about how much you're learning. It makes me want to start a podcast. I think that's great. It sounds like your son is incredibly intelligent and logical. Um, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) yeah. <laughs> I'm scared for yeah, what
1: you know the teen years, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah,
2: good good luck with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, the in, in um not to keep dropping my book, but in, because sure. the problems you're bringing up are things that ha- you know we sh- are all struggling with. They're really common. Um, there are certain responsibilities that we do have as parents, whereas I think we are most of us lean in too much on like the how much and like too much yeah. sweets or you're eating too much pasta. Whereas what we want to really do is lean back from that is what I describe in the book and to get benefits and lean into what really is our responsibility, which is showing up with a variety of food, showing up with the vegetables, modeling the, you know, the behavior, eating it in front of them and enjoying it without really saying much, you know, being very nonchalant about it. And that's the part that... um, you know, you're not the only one that isn't always serving vegetables every night. I mean, mm-hmm. I struggle with, you know, I struggle with that. Um, I'm very conscientious of it because I'm talking about it every day, sure. but especially busy moms, you know, it, it can be hard to to do that. But those are the things that I think um, that I recommend focusing on showing up with the vegetables or variety, whatever you're not doing, sure. but then really not saying anything, which can be a lot less stressful, actually you know, then having to feel like you need to watch your tone. And what do I say? What do I not? That's very stressful to me.
1: I agree. Um, as we wind down here, why don't you share ways that people can connect with you? I know you mentioned nourisher.com, but, um, any other ways if they can uh, email you or connect via Instagram, however that is. And of course, also put it to the show notes and then any resources that you'd like to share.
2: Sure. Thank you. Well, if anyone's on Instagram, I am on there and you can follow me at Amelia Sherry RD, which is registered dietitian. Um, you can always DM me through there. If you go to Nourish Her, Dot com and look around. There are buttons on different pages that say book a free call. You can book a call, go right into my schedule through that link and book a 30 minute call. And I talk to moms all the time um, about, you know, how I can or can't help or where else they can go. So do that. There are multiple free resources on my site. I have a free audio cast on six ways to prevent um, to protect your daughter from diet culture, you can get a free chapter of my book. Um, and you can also link to the courses I have, which I'm having like launching a few more mini courses, because I know we love these things in smaller amounts, yes. right? Yes. So you get overwhelming I, with the larger. Oh yeah. oh yeah. And I'm one to sign up for everything sounds good, you know? <laughs> um, but the, the key is actually doing it. So I have one coming out on, um, boosting body resilience, which I was talking about you know, earlier in our conversation. Yeah.
1: Awesome. And I know you have a great blog because I, I was actually on your blog. So for those listening, if you go to nourisher.com, she has a great blog where she has um, articles and things where I saw headlines and I was like, oh, this is great. So any other final thoughts to the motherhood village podcast community?
2: Um, community is so important. I learned that I'm, I'm very shy and I'm introverted and I learned the lesson of that during, that was my silver lining for the pandemic. So if moms have any way to access, you know, a regular group of women, um, whether it's online or in person, I, highly, highly recommend that. I actually started coaching a girls on the run team, which I thought, oh my gosh, it's going to be so much work with the girls. Turns out just showing up with these couple other coach moms, you know, twice a week has been so good for, for me, you know, just where you have to show up no matter what, you don't feel like it, you still have to go. And that really helps with my mood and just feeling more, um, you know, vital and part, part of things. So community, 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 I'd say.
1: I love that. And actually, I didn't ask you. We'll end it with this. I always say self care is just eh, the word. Um, I really like to know what do you do to release? What do you do to reset? What do you, what do, you do to recharge? I know you said brain jumping, I would imagine, is a big relief, right? Um, what are other ways that you can share for maybe a mom's listening, you're a busy mom that you kind of find a way to reset and recharge for yourself?
2: Yeah, I love this question. Mine is um, I'm fortunate enough to live in a suburban area. I just go outside for a walk. It is hard to do, but it just getting outside and moving my body helps. I also listen to music from the nineties or when I was younger, energetic music, it just reframes, you know, it changed the vibe in my head. It reframes my thoughts. It's stuff from a time when I was younger and more carefree. And it is so helpful. It's not necessarily a, a relaxed, you know, thing to do but it is relaxing because it can just really change my frame of mind within I don't know one song four minutes it's it's incredible
1: that's awesome well thank you so much Amelia for coming on for sharing your story um and for sharing some great tips and advice um strategies for the moms or dads that are listening and continued blessings to you for love and light thank you
2: thanks Nicole thanks for having this great podcast and resource too for moms I love it
0: Thank you for listening to this impactful episode of the Motherhood Village podcast. Subscribe to my show so you'll never miss a future episode. You may also rate and review on Apple Podcasts and share this episode with someone that can use it as part of their Motherhood Village. Remember, your village can take up many forms and you do not have to do it alone. Connect with me at themotherhoodvillage.com. Blessings to you for love and light.